millonarios Me la suda todo lo que puedas ladrar Siempre me la Welcome to Stokes County Boys, a podcast in which two friends discuss a place and things that made them who they are and who they are not. As always, this is uh, Philip. I'm here joined by my good friend Patrick. How you doing, Patrick? All right, all right. How are you? Doing okay. Hanging out here on the back porch uh, with the, the cicadas and they're, they're nice and loud tonight. So we got the nice uh, country ambiance going, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so in today's episode, Patrick's taken a recent interest in doing some travel and um, what I would love to do is convince him to travel to Spain because he asked me, he's been asking me here and there, whenever we're able to travel again, where should he go? I want to send him to Spain and, and I felt like I couldn't do this by myself. So in order to help me out in convincing Patrick to uh, go across to the Iberian Peninsula, well, I had to bring a friend and we have our good friend Brian on the show today. How you doing, Brian? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? All right. All right. All right. But yeah, Brian, can you uh, tell us where you're transmitting from? As we all know that we're stuck here in North Carolina. Where are you trapped for the moment? Yes, sir, I am coming to you live from in front of an air conditioner in Brooklyn, New York. All right, all right. And just to let you know, Brian and I, we went to school together. We went to college together. I think we kind of saw each other out and about, but we really met each other in Spain when we were studying abroad in the spring of 2004. So it's been a while. The rest is history. Before we get into talking about Spain and, and uh, Patrick's uh, travel interests and things like that, Brian, as we do with all our guests, can you tell us where's your hometown and any uh, interesting tidbits you want to bring up about that hometown? I am a uh, proud product of uh, the Bull City, Durham, North Carolina. Um, I mean, you guys have lived there more recently than I have, but... I don't know. I've always thought Durham was an interesting place. You know, it's always been sort of um, the underdog of North Carolina in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it's always had a perception of being, I don't know, growing up, it was like, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, people would say, you know, Durham was like crime city. You know, it's always been sort of more of a, a culturally diverse or, or black or, um, you know, sort of working class city. And now, as with so many of those kind of places in America, um, it's becoming super gentrified and cool. So I think that makes it kind of interesting. You know, it's it's always been a place of uh, sort of, you know, social struggle. Um, and I think that's still definitely going on there. You know, I saw some people down there um, the other day uh, making some, some noise, um, you know, about Black Lives Matter and, and talking about the need for $15 minimum wage at McDonald's. I think that's awesome. And that's total true, true blue, uh, bold city spirit. Yeah, the cool thing about all the Black Lives Matter protests and things like that in Durham is I would say they're extremely well organized. There's no, you know, chicanery with the the police getting violent with the protesters and they've been legitimate what you want to see out of the t that type of protest. And then on top of that, I will say they um where some of the businesses they had closed up and boarded up their windows and whatnot artists black artists came in and painted a bunch of murals on this this plywood and so soon after they did that it was probably early june we took you know we went out one morning took the kids out to see all the stuff that had been put on those um on the on the boarded windows so it was it was it was a pretty cool scene that is cool patrick were you able to get out there and check that out did you see any of that 
I know. I mean, I've been pretty quarantined throughout this. Uh, so, you know, um, I did see it on the news and stuff. And, you know, like Brian alluded to, I mean, this this is what you want to see with a peaceful protest. I mean, there's been a lot of respect to all involved, whether it's the protesters, whether it's the police. Um, and, of course, you know, there's going to be hiccups here and there. Uh, but, you know, I mean, we're in a very trying time in America right now, not just with the coronavirus, but this has been a summer where a lot of people are on edge. It's also an election year. And, you know, let's be honest, this has been a very tense uh, past few months with police brutality at the forefront with an economy that's trying to get started, but not necessarily opening up in a, the safest manner for the people in a lot of cases. And so, you know, all things considered, as a current Durhamite, I'm very proud of the Bull City. I'm very proud of what I've seen because, you know, if not now, then when? And it bothers me, you know, I, I, I was not alive during the civil rights movement um, in, you know, the, the mid-1900s there, but it bothers me that a lot of the same stuff that we're still screaming was what has been screamed for years and years and years. I'm hoping that maybe this time people will listen, but, you know, it, it's, it's a very tense time in America right now. Definitely. Is there anything you remember from growing up in Durham? And if I was just wondering if there's any other little things you wanted to, to mention. That was a good place to grow up. I mean, you know, I lived actually outside of the city. So when, when I was born, I was outside of the city um, in Parkwood, um, you know, which back in those days was really kind of a white flight suburb that was out sort of on its own out in the woods. And, you know, not too long after I was born, maybe in like the late 80s, they, run, they ran Interstate 40 out there. Um, you know, and there's been sort of, you know, lots and lots of development. And now, I mean, that area is most known for South Point Mall, um, you know, which is, was sort of a mega development that, that came up when I was in high school. So I don't know. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of change there. And even since I've been gone, you know, it's been really striking to see downtown Durham when I was growing up, like there was nothing going on down there. You know, it was like you were, if you were going down there, you were going to see a ball game or you were going to court. You know, and now, you know, to s keep seeing it like featured in like, you know, 24 hours in Durham, North Carolina and the New York Times and stuff like that um, is kind of insane. But I don't know. I think it's 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 really interesting. It's it's cool in some ways to see some of the ways it's changed. It's become a lot more, um, I think, international and more cosmopolitan. But I think at the same time, you know, Durham's got to do right by the people that are from Durham and make sure that, you know, we're getting affordable housing and, and good education, the same struggles we had. Well, affordable housing wasn't an issue when I was growing up, but, but good education was always, you know, sort of on people on the front of people's minds. Um, and I think that's still an issue that, uh, you know, still hasn't sort of been come to terms with. Um, Brian, million dollar question. And, you know, you've, you've been a buddy of ours for a long, long time. You know, I met you through Philip uh, when you guys were attending Elon. You know, if you could speak either about currently, even though I know in 2020 we've all been under this lockdown, so travel has been an issue. Can you think of any, you know, what are your favorite current restaurants in Durham? Or if you want to go back to like your childhood, where was your favorite place to eat back when you were growing up here? Good question. Oh, my God. You're really asking like a basic white boy in the suburbs. <laughs> I have to think back. I mean, you know, to be honest, like I spent a lot of time, you know, because I lived in South Durham, um, you know, and there wasn't as much out by us back then, um, you know, and my my dad was in PhD, 
getting his PhD in Chapel Hill. So, you know, we spent a lot of time more oriented toward Chapel Hill, I guess, in some ways. Um, so I don't know, you know, I'd hit stuff on Franklin Street a lot back then. I liked Franklin Street pizza and pasta, which no longer exists. Uh, was a favorite. Um, what else was good? There was that other place. It's kind of like a kind of like a dinery place. It's not there anymore. They used to sell stuff like little like kids meals that were in like a San Francisco trolley um, in uh, like Granville Towers. Um, I don't know that place. I think they totally demolished all that. So they did. There's a Target there now, and oh. luxury, uh, quote unquote, luxury apartments above the Target. I'd probably have some better answers for you if I thought about it, but I'll start there. I mean, Bullock's Barbecue is it hopefully still exists, and that mm-hmm. that was always legit. That was, uh, you know, it's it's not it's not quite as good as some of the places you get down east, um, you know. But for you know for Durham, um, you know, I it's it was a, it was a it was a solid solid go to. You know, I, I, I'm I'm going to let you have this one, Brian, because, uh, you know, I, I'm a barbecue snob. And, of course, growing up in the Winston-Salem area, I'm going to say Western-style barbecue. You know, Lexington barbecue so much better than in, than in the East. But, you know, that's a different debate for a different day. <laughs> Patrick's already petitioned for a, a barbecue episode. We just got to find the right person to for him to really get into it with. So... Go I do ahead. respect the Eastern vinegar-based. And, you know, the Lexington's vinegar-based, too. It's just more ketchup, tomato than, you know, you get in the East. I respect Texas. They, you say barbecue down there. It's more beef-based. I really do respect Kansas City style. You know, I, I just the only thing I don't respect when it comes to barbecue is South Carolina. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, but you just mustard-based. No, just no. But, yeah, I, I still have yet to. I still have yet to check that out. I should have tried some when you were living down there, Phil. You know, I never even encountered the mustard-based. I think it's Western South Carolina or wherever I was. I never saw it. I just had chicken bog. Chicken bog is that like? Yeah. A, uh, it, it was. A, it's basically. A, no, it's like a rice dish. It's it's like um, it's more. It's like rice cooked in chicken broth. And then it's got bits of chicken. It's heavily peppered with some sausage bits. Okay. So, yeah. It's a South Carolina paella. So I would say. <laughs> I like that. And speaking of paella, uh, when we get back from our break, we'll take a short break, Brian. And when we get back, we're going to convince Patrick when all this mess is over and we can, um, the other countries will receive Americans. We're going to convince him to travel to Spain. What do you think about that? Oh, there. All right, we'll be right back. Oh, one last thing before we get back to the show. Please go to our Anchor website at anchor.fm slash scboys slash support, and you can support the show for as little as 99 cents per month. What do you get in return? Well, the show keeps going. And the other thing, any supporter will get a shout-out on the show, so you'll be entered into the record of the Stokes County Boys. And also, if you'd like... We'll reach out to you, and you can choose the topic of a future episode. Thanks in advance for your support. Now, back to the show. And we're back. We're back, Patrick. Hope you had a nice rest for break. <laughs> really enjoyed okay. that ad. Yes, yes. 
it was. It was beautiful, beautiful, um, perfect ads. We love them so much. Okay, Patrick, how I want to start this is um, give a little background on, I don't know, we don't have to give too much background, but I will say you took maybe, I guess it's been maybe a year or two ago, you took a, a more of a active interest in in traveling the, the country and also going outside the country. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So given a little bit of background, I was kind of known amongst my circle of friends for the longest time as being a real homebody. You know, I, I stayed at home. I didn't really vacation much and, you know, it became a little bit of a joke. But the, the reality is um, being a, a single public school teacher, I had to be very careful with money, especially because, you know, I bought a house. And so that mortgage is no joke. And especially with... Um, uh, it's not going to get into it, but some of the, the things dealing with salary in North Carolina over the years, we had some very tough years. Um, and so uh, once the turn, once the, the corner turned a little bit for me, I was able to, to save up a little bit of a nest egg and, and start to travel more. Being a, a, a school teacher, I had a really bad day one day. And when I say a bad day, I mean, this was a really bad day. It was also my birthday. But the kids... Um, drove me crazy that day. And, you know, it was one of the, the most heartwarming classes I've ever had because I, I was really tight with this group, but there was no in between. We either had a great day or a bad day in the classroom. Went home, may or may not have had a beverage or two and decided that I was going to do something crazy. I booked a trip to Costa Rica. The reason I picked Costa Rica is I have a couple of friends who, um, their brother actually lives down there and had just visited. And um, they, you know, I, I wasn't worried about safety, wasn't worried about anything um, like that. And, and just the wildlife I thought was going to be outstanding. And it was. Um, woke up the next day and decided, you know what, I'm going to see this through. And so I just kept my reservation. I, I kept my airline ticket and went out and started the process of getting a passport. And then I spent probably the most eventful week of my adult life in Costa Rica, just by myself. You know, I, I picked up Rosetta Stone and started to learn the language a little bit. Um, I took it in high school, didn't have the best experience. And then, you know, that was only Spanish uh, education that I had experienced. Um, and so, you know, wasn't the most positive. Yeah, Patrick didn't. Patrick, there were two Spanish teachers in our high school. Patrick didn't have the good one. I had the good one. <laughs> I got the different end of the stick on on, on that when it came to our, our uh, foreign language education in high school. But um, no, I, I had the best time and it opened up my mind that, you know, I can do this. I can get out. And um, I also had to break down that mental barrier of traveling alone. And so, you know, it can be very scary going to a foreign country by yourself when you don't speak the primary language. But I had, I had a phenomenal experience and it really opened things up. Um, since then, I really caught the travel bug and have gone all over the United States, even just by myself. And, and um, you know, I, I'm not above hopping a plane to Texas for a long weekend just to get some brisket now. So I'm looking at where, when the quarantine ends, I'm going to go. And as soon as I asked Philip, you know, if you if, if money wasn't an option or an issue, you didn't have to worry about anything in terms of finances and you could go anywhere, where would you go? Immediately, Philip says Spain. And I know, Brian, that you and Philip, you know, you, you spent time abroad over there. And I do want to be clear that I'm 
this is not me being cynical and, and like, you know, convince me to go to Spain. I'm not against it, but I want to know more about the area. I will say my biggest fear, and this is completely just silly, and I recognize that. But my biggest fear is that I have a diet of a toddler, chicken fingers, fries, you know, like I, I'm not very ambitious when it comes to, to, to food. And that's not just foreign food. That's just, you know, I don't eat rice. I don't eat pasta. You know, I, I feel like I was Adkins before Adkins was Adkins. <laughs> you know, I, like I am nervous that I'll, I'll get to a place and I won't be able to just eat like a good meal without having my own mental blocks in place. You know, I, I do worry a little bit also about traveling alone because, you know, that's kind of the plan is to, to go on this new adventure. And so, you know, I, I'm just curious as about why Spain? What's there? Where did you and where did you stay when you were uh, abroad there? First, I have to ask, Patrick, this whole coronavirus thing, this isn't just a way for you to save face and go back to your old ways. Did you did you have a collaboration with someone down in Atlanta at the CDC? <laughs> I don't think I'm that powerful, Brian. But I, I will tell you this: um, you know, I, I redid some finances a couple of years ago, which is why I was able to open up more travel funds. And you build up Hilton points fast when you use that Hilton credit card, and then you know, in turn, you start building up some uh, frequent flyer miles. And so, you know. If I have a coupon, I'm going to get upset if I don't use it. And that's just for like 20% off at Target. You know, like I, I've got some some uh, some vouchers here. I'm planning to use them. Planning to use them. I can some of those. what it's like to be good with money. <laughs> One day we'll get there, Brian. Yeah, Brian, why don't, you, why don't you go on and tell us, like, I guess where we were in Spain. And then and then we I'll chime in and we can go from there. Sure. So Philip and I studied at La Fundación de Ortega y Gasset in Toledo de España. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was formerly the capital of Spain under the Visigoths. Um, it's about 45 minutes by bus south of Madrid. Um, it's beautiful. Um, it's like, you know, medieval. Um, it has a mix of like Gothic and Islamic, like Mudéjar influenced architecture. Um, it's like a lot of people take it as a day trip from Madrid, but honestly, you know, living there for, you know, four months or whatever, like I never got, we never ran out of stuff to do. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a really cool city. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, I, what I really enjoyed about it, it, it was kind of like a small town or a small city, but it had so much history. And it's unlike any city you'll experience in the United States, because like, Brian said the main part, which they call El Casco, which is the downtown area, which literally means helmet, but it's it's like a fortress city, so it's walled off. It's got a river that goes around the other, the back end of it, and it's it's a medieval city. It's really cool, and the fact that it was occupied by the Moors, so it has like the as Brian said, the Muslim. There's some. The Moorish architecture there is mixed with the Christians that kind of took it over. There's also a, a Jewish quarter because this was considered like the the city of the three, you know, religions, you know, I guess the Judeo-Christian based religions. Are... Oh, yeah. And it's super famous for El Greco, who's one of, uh, you know, Spain's biggest artist yeah one of his one of his masterpieces is in one of these like little churches and it's in the like vestibule of this little this little church there 
and people just go there just to stick their head in to see this this one like awesome amazing painting but it's just really cool and it's got really narrow streets and you just kind of wind along and and you know you just kind of wander around the city and it, there's it's pretty small but it's just a really cool place to hang out and and Brian and I when and some of our friends or whatever if we had time between classes we were either going to La Boveda, little corner like bar and just having a pitcher of sangria or we would like walk out there's a nice little hike just outside the city we could walk up some across the river go up and you had this awesome view of of the city you got some hiking trails where you can you know see views of the city you can be by the river but then also just be then near this like medieval town and it's just really cool it's something you won't see around here and and then also on top of that i would say it's like an hour from madrid so you're you're right there near a big city if you want to get that big city feel but and that's what i really liked about being there brian i don't know how you felt but we we were kind of day to day we were in a small city but we could make little trips on the weekend we would go hang out in madrid if we weren't going to some other town yeah we had the advantage then of having every weekend be a three-day weekend so we could just go wherever we wanted which is great and further to your question about diet patrick so i mean if you want to you can pretty much anywhere you i mean not anywhere you go but a lot of places you could eat pork and like fried food and nothing else like it's uh it's not a very vegetarian friendly place um, so that's probably music to your ears. Uh, and yeah, they're definitely not shy about frying things. So, um, you can go eat your French fries or, uh, patatas bravas and some meat and they will be happy to serve that to you. Yeah, definitely. I would say, you know, the, the ham, the jamón serrano, which is kind of the everyday kind of sliced cured ham is awesome. If you want to spend a lot more money, but it's totally worth it, if you've ever had it before, get some of the jamón ibérico. It's it's just a thinly sliced, very thinly sliced cured ham. It's usually on a, a, a leg. And you'll just, <laughs> the people that buy it, you spend like, what, how much, how much were those legs of jamón serrano? Which is kind of the the cheaper version, but it's still good. I don't know. Yeah, you invest a little in a in a big leg of ham. It's like yeah, it's like 150 to 200 euros, and you buy one of those, and you just take these little thin little slices, and you'll make like a ham sandwich, and you just put a towel over top of the where you where you sliced it. So but, how, uh, how much would a typical um, and you know I, I, my conversion rate? I, I'm not well traveled enough to to know you know, the the weight of a U.S. dollar comparatively, whether it's euro or, or anything. Um, if I were to go out for just like a, a, a standard lunch, not a fancy dinner, but just like, you know, I'm on the street, been hiking, you know, done some of the things you guys mentioned, and I just want to stop by a little cafe and have just a lunch. Like how much would that run me just in a in a typical setting? It's not bad. I mean, I was there, I was over not in Toledo, but I was – in like the Costa Brava, like out, outside of um, Barcelona. I don't know. I mean, it's like normal prices. I mean, a euro is like a dollar twenty or something. Uh, I haven't checked it lately, but it's something like that. Probably, you know, depends where you are. If you're in a big city, it's going to be more like New York prices. And if 
uh, or not even like it's probably cheaper than eating out here. So, you know, you can plan for like what you'd spend in a place like New York or DC or something. It's probably similar. So question for you. Um, and again, this is, this is my own ignorance more than anything. I, there's not a better word. It's just, I'm not well-traveled enough to understand or know. One of the things when I was in Costa Rica two, uh, two summers ago um, was I, w- I was thrown off, not in a, a bad way necessarily, but I was thrown off because, you know, you walk anywhere in America, small town, big city, whatever, you're going to be able to tell if something's open. You're going to see the flashing open sign or whatever. I didn't see that a whole lot in Costa Rica, um, which, you know, makes perfect sense when you think about the culture and, and, you know, um, all that. But like in a, in a city like Toledo, which is, I'm guessing what, roughly 2000 years old, um, thereabouts, like, um, yeah, it's more like a thousand. Okay. Um, so you know, how uh, just wandering the streets, what is going to cue me in on, oh, here's a grocery store versus, oh, this is somebody's house. Like, I don't want to make, I'm paranoid I'm going to make a silly mistake like that and end up, you know, I, I, I've got very basic Spanish. But from talking to Philip, it's my understanding that Spain Spanish and Latin America Spanish is different, you know. And so, you know, how, how am I going to stay safe and not accidentally bust in on a residence down there? You'll, you'll know. <laughs> okay. How? how? It, it will be clear. The same way it is here. I mean, I don't know. If you walk into a grocery store, it has groceries in it. No, but, but I mean, is there like a, a, a flashing sign that says it's Harris Teeter? Time. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, you'll have like, they're mostly like little corner markets, the supermarkets. They're not too big. This is the thing, too, that why I would say, like, Spain, because I know you were talking about, well, where should I go next? And you were saying, like, London or something. And I was trying to push you to Spain because you already, you you did spend a good amount of time, I would say, more than, like, the average person would of learning the language and trying to brush up on Spanish and actually get pretty good at it. You know, he he was, Patrick, Brian, so you know, Patrick would constantly text me, like, grammar questions and context questions and things like that if I say it like this, does that make sense? And I'd be like, yeah, that's pretty good, but this is more common or blah, blah, blah. You'll be able, like based on your, and I should know because I'm, I have been a Spanish instructor in my, in my old days, you'll be fine getting, especially in the big cities, you'll get by with your Spanish, even though it's different. It will be different. It'll sound different and they will use different colloquialisms or idioms and things like that. In bigger cities, there will be more people that know English, if you go to somewhere like Toledo, it might be dicey. Who knows? If you go to the south of Spain, like in Sevilla, there might be some people that know English and get by. You'll be fine. I wouldn't worry about it. So yeah. anywhere, anywhere that you're, it, I mean, if you're in a big city or a tourist spot, people are going to know English. And people are also super accommodating about Spanish. Like, you know, they're not snobs about you being speaking Spanish really perfectly. So, you know, if you make the effort, they'll speak to you in it. And if you fail, then they'll talk to you in English. Uh, which is yeah. still what happens to me sometimes. So yeah, we. we uh, I, I'm glad you said that because I did want to ask about that um, and the accommodation of tourists. You know, especially Americans, because let's be honest, we don't have the greatest reputation sometimes abroad. It's funny you mentioned that because when we went, because it was 2004, so it was like the era of, of George W. Bush. So they would ask, 
you know, it would come up in conversation that was American. It was pretty obvious most of the time, but they would ask. And then the second question would be like, do you like Bush? And I'm like, no. And then they'd be like, okay. And they would be continue to be friendly. So I think you'll be okay as long as you don't wear your uh, Make America Great Again hat. Which <laughs> well, we don't have to worry about that, I don't think. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, though, to me. Um, and again, I'm going back to Costa Rica, partly because of the Spanish language, but also because, you know, I, I felt like they were very accommodating um, to me as a tourist. But at the same time, um, I felt like I was being very forgiven about my attempts to speak Spanish when I knew I wasn't 100%, uh, you know, certain and confident um, with this. But, you know, two, two separate little incidences that I had, and I, I feel like the word incident makes it seem negative, but it was not at all. I mean, both were positive experience, at least ultimately. I went to a little market that was next to the hotel in San Jose, and I've, I'm blown away by how cheap everything is there. I mean, it was just mind-blowing to me, but I was also half asleep because it was like 5.30 in the morning local time, and, you know, the, their day started when the sun came up. And it was also during the World Cup. And so, you know, I, I would hear people in the lobby of the hotel cheering and chanting and watching, you know, football. And so I, I'm up, I'm up, walked into the market, and I'm not sure what the clerk asked me. But those, it was clear that it was a question. But, I mean, I, I was clueless. And I felt so embarrassed because I didn't even have a shot. And I just felt like I was – you know, I'm still half asleep, just, uh, and then, you know, he looked kind of dejected and, and just pointed at the cost. And so I gave him the money and then left. The next day I felt retribution because I went back in there specifically to try again and had a much better experience, you know, explained to him in my broken Spanish that, you know, I, I, sorry about yesterday. I don't speak a lot of Spanish, you know, Perdóname por mis errores. <laughs> like, and he just laughed, but I felt like I felt better about the experience. Another, you know, like I said, incident, but not necessarily a bad thing. I was on a tour and there were two um, ladies from Mexico that were there for a bachelorette party. Um, one of them was getting married and they came up and just invited me. They saw that I was by myself and I was the only one by myself. They invited me to sit down for lunch. They spoke about as much English as I spoke Spanish. And so, you know, but it was a really cool experience just talking to each other. You know, it was one of them's birthday. It was like, you know, being able to, to take what I had been learning, which is a basic level, you know, getting by, you know, um, Feliz Cumpleaños. I know what that means. And even though it's so basic, it's, you know, it was nice to be able to converse. And I felt like just culturally, it really enhanced my experience of the country being able to break out of my comfort zone, but without feeling like I was being, you know, attacked for not speaking the language or for, for being judged because, you know, I was an American and all this stuff, you know, I felt like I was genuinely welcomed, not just by the people that were the locals, but also the people that were traveling from other places that were there. And so I guess like I'm looking for places that I'm going to feel safe, but not just, Physically, you know, it, you go out in downtown Durham at 1 a.m., you know, that could get a little shaky. It's any anywhere you have to be smart and careful. But beyond just being stupid as a tourist, 
I want to feel safe, like I'm, I'm going to have a chance to learn and, and take the experience in so that I can bring it back and share it with my students or share it with my friends and encourage me to continue to break these walls down slowly but surely. I mean, going from nothing to a foreign country in one afternoon is that that's already a big enough step for me. And so, you know, I'm trying to slowly but surely, you know, take those steps. Yeah. I think, I don't know when I was there in September, like I think Spanish people, especially like the younger generation, their Spanish is way better even than when Phil and I were there. Um, and, you know, especially like Barcelona and Catalonia are very, you know, cosmopolitan. Um, there's, you know, people coming from all over Europe and, and the U.S. and places all the time. So, you know, you wouldn't be um, an unusual person to, to come across there and people, you know, not think anything of it. And I think like, I think most people are aware that countries are complicated. Like Spain is going through as much crap right now as the U.S. is in a lot of ways. You know, you've got like fascists, um, who have their own party in, in the parliament there. You know, these are people who like are literally like have a direct politi political lineage to, to Franco's party uh, who are like marching in the streets and stuff. So, you know, I think everybody knows that the world is in a pretty weird place right now and that it's not just America. Although this mask thing, I gotta say, <laughs> has really got us sort of uh, in, a, in a different place than a lot, a lot of the rest of the world. You stayed in Toledo, did yeah. it, but you just mentioned several other places, you know, Barcelona. Where, yeah. where, else, where, else were, where else did you both spend a significant amount of time in, you know, in case I wanted to city hop or, or bounce around or if I had more time to spend there? Yeah, I think you would definitely want a city hop. I mean, that's one of the advantages of being in Spain. It's relatively small, but there's a lot of diversity in terms of the types of cities you'll go to and the types of climates that are in those cities as well. Because you can go to the south of Spain, so um, which is Andalusia. That's where you'll see what is kind of... Culture, the cultural stereotype of Spain is more like the Andalusian culture, more or less. So that's cities like Sevilla or Seville, uh, Cordoba, and um, Granada. Yeah, so you go to Granada or places like that, which aren't too far from one another. Sevilla, I, it's interesting. I, I, we went there, Brian. We did like a weekend there. I really liked it. One of the things I love about Sevilla is the people there. And I didn't really meet the people in Sevilla. I met them at UNC when I was a grad student there because we would always, they, they, um, they had a like, kind of an exchange with the University of Sevilla there. Undergraduates would go study like a semester in Seville. They would bring their grad students would come here. The English grad students would come to UNC and teach Spanish and learn English and stuff like that. So I knew a lot of a lot of the Spanish the from Spain, the Spanish uh, students in my cohorts and that were above me or whatever were almost all from Seville. And they're just awesome people. They're laid back. They're really friendly. They like to have fun. So you, you never know what you're going to get into. If you like just hang out with some people and meet some people and talk them up, you might have a, a really cool adventure like that night, Patrick. Like, and it'll be fun. And they're just like, they're just down to earth, but they're there to have like a good time. And 
Yeah, and I would also say like Barcelona, I mean, we went there back in the day and, you know, I know it's only gotten more sort of touristy since then. So like we had that at the end of our trip in September and I was like, yeah, whatever, the Rambles, like it's going to be super touristy. It's a mess. You know, we'll just put it at the end. But, you know, we booked four days there and like even just in like the four days that we spend there, like it's just the most functional gorgeous like kind of happy <laughs> like city of like a couple million people i mean for us it was super fun because it was really really gay it's like the epicenter of like gay instagram for like the entire world so you just run into these kinds of people everywhere but um beyond that i mean it's just i don't know it, there's a lot to see there there's like the sagrada familia which is a church they've been building for like a hundred something years and that's actually come a long way since we were there in 2004 um and you can go inside it now it's like one of the most epic like interior spaces in the world i've never yeah. seen like it. i was actually able to go inside it when i took a group when i was teaching in south carolina i took a group to spain in the spring of 2007 so i was able to go inside it there but it was pretty awesome yeah it's um like literally if you just went there and spent four days or a week in barcelona you wouldn't run out of things to do and there's like little day trips you can take from there um you can go down to sitges which is like a you know really old city that's like also a beach resort that's beautiful um you know there's all these little towns kind of up the coast with just like you know sort of these rugged cliffs and crystal clear water um yeah nothing to complain about really even just like little details, like walking around the streets there, like here in New York, you walk around the streets, everything's, you know, there's trash everywhere. Um, the, you know, the sidewalks are uneven. Um, you know, they haven't, a lot of them haven't been worked on in decades. They're, you know, like the, they have bins on the corner that have recycling and garbage and, and normal household trash. And there's, um, you know, even the sidewalks are made of little tiles that if they break, you can just come in and replace the little tile and you don't have to, like, undo the whole thing. And it just makes it so that the whole city is, like, really clean and, like, under control in a way that, I don't know, I think a lot of American cities aren't that invested in. Um, it's great. It might seem silly. Uh, you know, Philip and I did an episode on video games. Um, it, it might actually seem silly, but, you know, I've, I invested a lot of time in the Assassin's Creed series. And what I always liked about that series was that it took, you know, it's historical fiction. I mean, they took some real important events and fictionalized them, but kept an era of truth. But one thing I've always been impressed with with those games is the visuals of the cities in the era that each game takes place in. And so... You know, I, I think that I can credit that series for my interest in just the aesthetics of old cities and just architecture. Um, I, I I like to paint. I like to draw. You know, I'm a musician by trade, but, you know, I, I'm just really into the arts. And, you know, uh, in, in the last probably two or three years, I've gotten a lot more into photography, which has made me look at certain things in a different light you know, specifically landscapes and, you know, including, you know, buildings and, and just, again, the, the visual aesthetics. Um, looking at, you know, just pictures, which I know 
can only give you a literal snapshot and it's not nearly what it's like to be um, being at the location. Um, what can you tell me about like just some of the basic things in terms of just like weather? I mean, you know, in North Carolina, growing up, you know this, and then Philip and I are dealing with it a lot this week. It's pretty hot in the summer, but it's humid as well. And so, you know, it, it's bothersome. Went to Phoenix last year and it was 117. I'm like, oh, this is nothing because they are so dry. I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, this is fine. What's the overall weather like in the winter compared to spring, just in general in the country? Have you ever been to California? I have not, but it's also on the list, in the domestic list. Uh, it's like that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I would only, uh, I would just add that the south of Spain, so the Andalusia, so that's your Seville, your Cordoba, your Granada, those cities, if you probably want to avoid going there in like the summer because it gets really hot down there. But other places, it's not too bad. The center of Spain, like Madrid and Toledo, that, that area will get pretty hot in the summer. But like if you're in Barcelona, it's it's just awesome most of the time, I think. <laughs> I think it all gets pretty hot, but I mean it uh it's not it's not a humid hot. I mean it's a it's a Mediterranean hot, so I mean, I don't know, it's it's drier and it's it's not as bad. I mean and if you're you know, out there doing stuff like I, I don't know, again, like you you can go be on the beach or something if you're down or something like that and like i mean it's i don't know that's great i do feel a little bit selfish when it comes to to you know looking at where i'm going to go because you know ignore the coronavirus for a second um just as many of our leaders did if we get back to <laughs> if we get back to quote unquote normal travel you know i'm i'm in what i'd like to consider the prime of my life i you know i'm able physically to still pretty much do and go wherever. I don't have to worry about like medical limitations, like, you know, say my parents did or, um, you know, I, and so I also have to look at realistically speaking, being a teacher in a traditional setting, summer is usually when I have the most flexibility of travel. Um, winter break also gives me a window most of the time. And so, I have to look at realistically where am I going to be able to go and get the most out of it, but also still feel like it's a vacation that's just enjoyable. Um, like I mentioned, you know, Texas for brisket. I, you know, that's, I have no problem with heat, but I don't really like the cold. And so, you know, I do, I would like to go to Canada. I've heard some really good things, but you know, Toronto in January or even December does not appeal to me because I feel like I'd be too worried about just physical environment than to fully be able to just get out and enjoy the area. So that's why I'm, you know, kind of asking about, about climate and all that. Um, and again, you know, like ignorance being you know, I, I know nothing about Spain. I mean, I'm learning, uh, uh, you know, a lot tonight as long or as well as, um, you know, when I, I'm preparing for this and, you know, looking at the travel guides and this and that, I like to say that the northern part of Spain is fairly mountainous. There's, is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it would be probably cooler in some parts of that. I mean, if you, if you went to northern Spain, I don't know that, like, I mean, 
So Catalonia, that was the trip that we did back in August, September. That was really, really nice. We also went to um, the Balearic Islands, which is a, another place you could go. And that would probably, I mean, there you're in the middle of the Mediterranean. Obviously, it still gets warm there too, you know, but, um, you know, you get sea breezes. And Mallorca actually has really huge mountains. It, it looks like the Rockies there. I was actually shocked that you could have mountains that big on an island that small. Um, it's really impressive. That's a that's an option too. But I think like northern Spain is supposed to be interesting. Like if you go to like Basque Country or Galicia, um, it's supposed to be beautiful. I haven't been there, but um, I've heard nothing but good things. Those are the places that I would go to if I returned to Spain because I've always, you know, when we we were in like central Spain and we traveled to Barcelona, we went to Valencia, we went to the south of Spain. When I returned with a school group, we were kind of in the same regions. The The two places I ha- haven't been that I really want to go is like Basque Country, which is directly north, and then like the Galician area and stuff like that. Actually, uh, my wife and I were talking about at some point where we might do the Ruta de Santiago, so we might walk that at some point. So that's one thing I want to do. That's one place I'd really like to go. Galicia is just north of Portugal, just so you know, uh, geographically, Patrick. It's a little rainier there and more foresty. It's not as like populated. I mean, there's Santiago de Compostela, which is the final city in that the ruta, the route that goes starts from is the pilgrimage site that starts in like southern France and crosses the Pyrenees if you do the whole thing. And you walk all the way across northern Spain to the to Santiago de Compostela. So that's the biggest city there. Um, that might be a cool place to look in terms of like history. I don't know much more about it than that. Instead of like it's a very Catholic place. <laughs> if you're interested in kind of checking that out. That being said, the cathedrals there are incredible. The Sagrada Familia is, you know, it's like a modernist. It's Antonio Gaudí. It's insane. And the other thing cool that if you go to Barcelona, you get to see the other architecture by Antonio Gaudí, like Park Güell, which is like the park he designed. And it's just awesome. It's it's unlike anything you'll you'll see like around here. And that's why the thing is, is like you can get that. You can get that tradition. Like if you go to Seville and you see like one of the largest cathedrals in the world or Toledo, which is a pure Gothic cathedral. So you'll see that classic medieval European architecture. But then you'll also see these, like, you know, beach towns. You'll see the stuff that Gaudí created in Barcelona, which is real modern and just out there. And then on top of that, you've got, like, Barcelona, too, is really cosmopolitan and modern and stuff like that. So you get a mix of all these things, and that's that's what I really like about Spain. And the people aren't aren't assholes. That's another thing. That That's a big thing. And I mean, it's a really interesting. Like Barcelona is an interesting like place from just from, like an urbanism perspective because you have sort of like the old city down by the water, and then as you get further out where they developed, it's like a grid system. But it's not like a grid here in New York. The corners are all cut. So I'm not sure what the original intention behind that was, but like the effect is that it just sort of like gives you a lot more space. And sort of open things opens things up, and you get an additional like storefront or or restaurant on on each corner, um, and it's really cool. And when you look at it from above, it's just a really neat um, sort of thing the way they designed like Le Champlain and some of the other 
like neighborhoods around there. Well, I'll just say this, that if you're going there in the summer, I might avoid the south of Spain, like the Andalusian area, just because it gets so hot if you're trying to avoid that. If you're able to go in the spring, definitely go down there. I would, I mean, you almost have to go, especially for the first time, you have to go to Barcelona and go around there because it's like the coolest place. It's it's the coolest place in Spain. And if you're going to hit once, if you're going to hit one city, go to Barcelona. Madrid's, that's, Madrid is beautiful and awesome yeah. and has a really good, if you want to do nightlife, Madrid is also super cool. But I don't know, it's sort of like, I don't know, like Toronto versus Quebec or something. Like Madrid is the Toronto and, and uh, you know, Barcelona is the Quebec. It's like the cooler sort of like smaller but still more like outward looking city. How hard is it to get, uh, how hard is it to get, you know, soccer tickets Real Madrid, Barcelona. I mean, how how difficult would it be to if I wanted to catch a game? They play those games all the time, so you could get something in advance. Yeah, we were able to get tickets. We saw Real Madrid, and we saw them play like Celta de Vigo, right? And that's in Galicia. It's a small team in Galicia. They're the fascist team. Watch the go watch. Atletico Madrid was better, but yeah, that's the game we went to. Yeah, that was a uh, Franco's team, but. And Barcelona is just like culturally is cool because I mean, they, so, you know, a lot of people there would like not really even identify as Spanish. Like there's definitely a very strong, you know, like Catalan identity, like, and pretty much you see like a lot of the signage there is in like three languages. Like they'll have stuff or, you know, signage or announcements in Spanish and Catalan and English. And it's just kind of a cool like history because they've always sort of had this like weird relationship with the rest of Spain that like, you know, they, they almost in a certain way are almost more like a colony than, um, you know, really than like a part of Spain. And, you know, so there's the independence movement that, you know, has really been resurgent like in the last few years. And they really were, you know, sort of the, the heart of the um, sort of left and like Republican, you know, resistance to fascism. They actually, you know, back in the 1930s, um, you know, sort of came really close to actually trying to establish like a workers government across Spain. And the real basis for that was in Catalonia. Um, you know, so it's kind of interesting because, you know, the, the historical dynamic is that like, you know, Madrid is sort of, you know, I mean, and that's not to sell, sell short, like the, the left movement in Madrid too, but like, you know, Madrid was sort of the basis of power of like the fascists after they took control there and Barcelona was sort of the holdout. Um, and that's still sort of the dynamic that's going on because, you know, you have Catalonia trying to break away um, and Spain saying not so fast. So that's tied to the soccer rivalry, too. Well, I wanted to yeah. ask that. Is that yeah. why the rivalry yeah. is as intense as it is? Exactly. Real Madrid was like Franco, Francisco Franco, that was his team. That was like the the fascist leader. That was his team. And it was this symbolic thing to beat Barcelona, which would be, you know, s- symbolically defeating the, the leftist, uh, uh, you know, aggressors and the, the threat to his, his rule. It's okay. even in the nation. It's Royal Madrid. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right, Patrick. So I hope, I think we'll. I think we're gonna have to close it up. I think Brian and I 
I'll speak for Brian and say we could probably go on forever. There's lots more stories to tell and and things to talk about and places to discuss. I, I'd say it's it's a great place to go. I think it's surprisingly you can do a lot and see a lot within a relatively small area and being and still being in the same country. So and then given that you already kind of been working on your Spanish, it'd be a great place to go and and you know, hear a little bit different Spanish, but also be able to get around without, you know, just going to, to some English-speaking town or whatever. But go ahead, Brian, sorry. The Union decides that we're clean enough. Uh, <laughs> consider Spain. Well, I think I'll have to. I mean, from what you guys have said, and, you know, of course I've heard stories from your experiences beyond just this conversation tonight. But, you know, um, it, it was never with the mindset of, maybe I might actually travel here, you know, uh, but it seems like it's a place that has everything I'm looking for in an educational vacation, which is something in my youth I never thought I would be interested in. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, between the art and the architecture and just the, the, you know, the gorgeous scenery from the pictures, I mean, and, and knowing that I'll be able to find a place to eat and, it's clearly marked and I'll be able to find something to eat there that will fit my toddler diet. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think I definitely have to add it to the list. You know, I think the next step is having America pull its head out of its own butt, put a mask on and let's get out of this coronavirus so that other countries will start accepting us. I'll drink my beer to that. Yeah. We got to get Patrick to Spain people. So, so put your goddamn mask on and, and let's uh, let's get Patrick to Spain. And whenever uh, we go back there, Patrick, uh, there are sometimes very cheap flights through JFK. Okay. So if you need to come up here, you got a place to stay. We got a second bedroom. Hey, so. I, I will take you up on that. I, I, I love New York City. I didn't think I would, but I fell in love with it years and years ago. It's not a place that I think I could live. I you know I, I admire you guys for for being able to, to do that. But like, you know, <laughs> it's phenomenal. I mean, it's just so intense. It's, you know, I, I still need my, my day out on Jordan Lake to escape the world. You should send him that picture of the, the fish you caught. That was impressive. I thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, Brian, I'm going to text you right now. Uh, you got to <laughs> see this fish from last Thursday. Did you arm wrestle the fish? I didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brian, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, it was really fun to catch up with you in this way, but um, uh, outside of this, we'll, we'll have to stay in touch because we're, we're good friends in real life. So, but, but thanks for doing this. This was fun. Good to see you guys. Yes, thanks for stopping by. All right. And if you've got any stories or, or suggestions where Patrick should uh, travel next domestically or internationally, you can always email us at stokescountyboys at gmail.com. It's a hell of a uh, fish, Patrick. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm trying, trying to wrap, wrap this up, Brian. Let's be professional. <laughs> uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, at SCBoysPod. So I should see Brian following us, which he does not. Or, you know, if you're more of an Instagram person, you can follow us on Instagram, at Stokes County Boys. We've got a Spotify playlist for all our music episodes. So just type that in and our podcast and our playlist comes up. Patrick, I hope I hope you had a good time. Brian, hope you had a good time. I did. And I'm gonna sign us off. 
And I hope everybody has a good one. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye, y'all. Thank you. Oh, did you not eat yet? No, this is normal for me. Oh, okay. Oh, that's one thing I forgot to mention, Patrick. Lunch is at 2 p.m. Dinner is, like, around now. Oh, that's actually insane. the hardest thing about going there, is that, especially if you're running around all day, um, you're going to get hungry at your normal time, and nothing's going to be ready to serve you. Yeah, there was that one time we were in Madrid, and it was, like, 1230 and a group of us went in a, a, a place and we're like, can we sit down for lunch? And they just laughed us out of the restaurant. So <laughs> just that's one good thing to keep in mind. So to, if you want to really go out, I don't know if you're interested. You don't really like going to clubs. But if, if you want to go out to like out out, like you that all starts at like two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Brian, if you listen to the, the Weezer episode that we did. I, I mentioned us when we would be in Toledo and we'd be out and miss the that 3 a.m. bus and I'd have to walk home. <laughs> but you hit a couple bars before you like go out to the club. Yeah, we would like we would have dinner, take like a two hour nap and then <laughs> wake up at like midnight, like get ready and then go go to the bar, which is like where Madrid is at or, or Barcelona is at at this stage. And go go to the bar for an hour or two, and then you go to the club. Oh, wow, it's a lot. It's really it's a, it's lot. a lot to adjust to, especially in your thirties. But uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm slowing down. Like every time I stand up, something cracks. Patrick, <laughs> but Patrick, if you wanted to, I mean, it's not like we're like you have to go to the club. You could stop at the bar, the bar late at night. You know, I mean, you can just hang out there. That's a place. You're more of like a hangout kind of person, and you can do that. It's easy to do anytime you can do it at nine at nine in the morning too. it doesn't matter <laughs> you'll probably bump into some british people if you're yeah just trying to force your stand or something yeah if you're in, if you're in barcelona you'll definitely bump into british people german people they're always in barcelona well thanks a lot brian all right good yes. to see you fellas yes we'll talk to you soon have a good night all right later <laughs>